Before you're seated this morning, I wanna give you my passage. Today's message is gonna be a, a little different. I told myself it'd be more of a talk, but you know, it's hard not to get excited for Jesus, so I'm gonna try not to preach. Is anybody all right if I just preach a little bit, if I just give a little bit? Is anybody, is anybody okay with that? I'm gonna try not to preach a little bit. I'm, I'm gonna try just to talk, but we'll see how it goes because um, I'm feeling a little Conor McGregor the last few days being, being bound up in this house, wanting to share the gospel with people in person. Let's go to John chapter 17. Get out your Bibles. It's good to have a real Bible. Remember God's word. It wasn't always digital. It's good to have both. You can pull out your YouVersion Bible app. That's the one we support. And by the way, we have our own Bible studies on the YouVersion Bible app. You can search One Seed Church and find several three-day devotionals on there that we believe will bless your life. But John chapter 7, verses 20 through 26, when you have it, just chat, amen, amen. I'm just going to pretend you did it now because I can't tell if you are. I'm going to believe by faith that you've done it. It says in verse 20, this is Jesus praying for all believers. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word. This is for them. This is for you, he says, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, and they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be, may be made perfect in one. Look to your neighbor and tell them perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have looked them as, have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, and the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is a tricky passage. People get confused by this. But Christ was fully flesh and fully God at the same time. And the spirit that created the heavens, hence Jehovah saves, is Greek Jesus, means the spirit that created the heavens, God the Father, is the spirit that dwelleth in the flesh or born off fruit, the Son. That's why we call him the Son. So the flesh here is praying out to the spirit. But you can't separate the two. And he's saying that which is bestowed in me, I now want to give to them, which is the disciples, which is you, which is the apostles, which is, which is in the gospels here. And they're going to now go out soon and give the good news in his place. He's praying that they are one, that they are acting as one. Today's going to be a little different because we are talking about the core of One Seed Church. Without this, there's no One Seed Church. It's the nucleus. It's the mission is the vision and it's the core values of One Seat Church. And I'm titling it this morning, At the Core. At the Core. If you're standing with us, you can seat now and get on that comfy couch. And by the way, it's really weird to preach in socks, but I'm going to do it because I'm on, I'm on board for the mission. I'm not looking for what's comfortable or familiar. I'm looking to do what it takes to preach the mission. And we don't want to get dirt on these nice floors so we don't wear our socks in church. Hey, maybe we should, should we carry that on to 
when we get back to physical gatherings, that might be a, a bacteria-inducing thing that would not be a good, good thing to do in this time is to wear our socks to church. We probably should wear shoes in that case. We would do the opposite. We wouldn't take our shoes off. That'd be weird, and then we'd be tracking in God knows what from outside into God's house, and God would not like that. It's a joke, people. It's just a joke. Wear your shoes to church, okay? Wear your shoes. But I want to give you the core today. We're calling it at the core. We're going to preach this once a year because we believe it's important as the church, as one seat church, you know the core values, you know the mission, and you know the vision of what we're set out to do. And some of you don't know how this whole thing came about, but it was a battle. Anything good that, that forms, you know, coal is not made into a diamond overnight. It takes time. And this mission called One Seed Church was a battle with me personally for a long time. And it was a battle with me and my wife. And it was a battle with me and my family. And it was a battle in my spiritual life. It was a battle because the devil was trying to stop me from taking steps of faith. And so what I thought I'd do by the time I was in my late 30s is I would just do something for God. See, we had been blessed abundantly, and I got to a point in my life where I said, is this really it? Okay, we've achieved that. Okay, we've done that. And now, is that really it? See, I still wasn't full. I wasn't fed. I still felt like I was depleting, even though I had achieved what the world called success. So one time, me and Michelle, we took a really nice trip to Hawaii, if you really want to know. Yeah, we went there in 2015. We went to Maui. We went to Kauai. It was awesome. And we're sitting on the beach, and we're just thinking, this doesn't feel right. Like, I want everybody to feel what it's like to sit here and look at these waters because there's so many who can't. So I said, I know. We'll start a charity. We'll start a charity and send people on nice trips that otherwise couldn't go. And then I, that was my emotion talking. And then I started thinking through practically, like how, how logistically that could be very difficult and how could we make that work. And I came home from my trip and in my conscious, see, I was fighting something deeper and I was trying to change what God sent me into something that I could handle and stay comfortable with. I was not really wanting to publicly confess. That's why we do baptism. It's because we're professing something. When you speak it out loud, it's different than when you just think it. When you physically take action, it's different. It's real. Belief takes action. And so I came home from this trip and I'm like, well, Michelle, we got to like give them the Bible or something. We can't just do all these things and not give God the credit. I know we'll call it one seed. It'll be a charity. We'll call it one seed. I thought, I don't know. I know. I'll get some video equipment and we'll make some cool online sermonettes. I'll learn to preach like two, three minutes and we'll do some cool Apple white screen stuff and we'll just put out some sermonettes and we'll feed the people that way. You see, what I was doing is I was stepping around God's calling and I didn't know it. I was trying to hustle God's calling and shortchange the fullness of what he was trying to fill me with, with a half-hearted approach. And so I bought all this a camera gear, and I didn't like the way it looked. And I thought, man, this is awful. I'm not putting this on an internet. And I threw it in my office and left it for two more years. But during that time, there was a decade of time where I would wake up in panics, and I'd have all these things about my life going by and me not using it to share the gospel. Because to whom much is given, much is required. And I knew the truth, but I was putting it in the back seat. And I remember this conversation. Some of you have heard this story before. Throughout that time window as well, I remember my dad saying, you know, hey, how's your reading going? And at that time, I wasn't reading the Bible. I wasn't doing much except trying to make, make money 
and get, get a nice house and get a nice car and impress people and stuff. And that, that's all good to get nice things. But when it becomes your, your primary reason for existence, it becomes an idol. And that's what it was kind of becoming to me. And I knew something was wrong. And he said, how's your reading going? I said, not, you know, not good. I'm just busy, Dad. I'm busy. And he said, well, someone's got to learn this stuff. Someone's got to learn this stuff. The truth is passing with your generation. And that stuck with me. And that bothered me because I knew it was true. And I knew it was true. And I said, who's going to be the one? And so, so we, we festered on this for a while. We, we stewed on this for a while. And then we had one seed. And we're going to make it the social media thing. We started putting out posts. I said, okay, let's put out some posts and see who, who even thinks this is good. Who even thinks someone might like to like this post about Jesus that I said. I mean, how could God use me? But right then, I remember the mission became really simple. The mission before the church existed was the same. The mission of 1C Church is to extend the love and teachings of Jesus Christ. It's that simple. The mission of 1C Church, and by the way, if you want to see all this, you can go anytime to 1cchurch.org values and see this information I'm providing you today. But the mission right then in that moment when I said, okay, this is going to be a Facebook page, and I started this page called One Seed, and I didn't let it be public. I didn't let anybody see it until the January of 2017. I put my first post out there about Jesus and got a like, and I thought, okay, you step I step, and I remember, I remember my dad, another conversation, and I know this is like a lot of data I'm throwing at you at once, but I'm trying to give you some context of how we got here. And I remember another conversation with my dad. I said, Dad, how do you know when God calls you? Because, because I was waiting to see the finish line at the beginning before I started the race. And he says, no, you just start the race. You just start doing something for God, and he will steer it into focus. And so that's what he did. I, started, I said, that's easier. I'll just start planting seed. I'll just plant seed, you know, one seed. I want to extend the love and teachings of Jesus Christ one seed at a time because not only was Jesus Christ the only seed ever through, through Adam and Eve, through, 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 through humanity that turned the world upside down and conquered death and has never been defeated, but also in a practical sense, we wanted, I wanted to give the gospel in a way that people could digest it and apply it to their life and not feel like it was a substitute teacher giving them a Bueller data dump and they were sleeping at their desks. I didn't want that. I didn't like that. So I said, let's simplify it. Let's give them one seed. And the mission is to extend the love and teachings of Jesus Christ. And so that went on. We, we did social media for a few months. And, and then it came to a point where I said, Michelle, this doesn't feel enough. I still feel hungry. I still feel like I'm not getting full. We need to meet in person with people. Ew, I don't want to do that. I don't want them coming in my house. I don't want to like... I don't want to be the, the arms and feet of Jesus like the Bible. I don't want to mingle with the people. I just want to, I just want to minister from a distance. I'm being real with y'all. I'm being transparent because this is how God changes your heart. See, I was fighting the calling. And so it just happened over 2017. By summertime, we said, no, this has got to be a Bible study. And then we said, no, this has got to be a church. And then we said, okay, God, we're going to do it. And this January 2018, we said, we're going to launch service, and we're going to be ready, and we're going to give it all we've got. And we've been here ever since. Praise God. You can praise online for that because God has been very faithful to 1C Church. So we're talking about the mission how do we extend the love and teachings? And I said I wouldn't holler. It's my Italian blood. <clears throat> How do we extend the love and teachings of Jesus Christ? That's just not me. 
How do we extend the love and teachings of Jesus Christ? It's through the vision God has on your life. See, the vision is how you accomplish the mission. And the vision is that you, yes, you watching right now, discover God's perfect plan that was tailored and blueprinted and made just for you. See, everybody's got different gifts that God can use. And people think, I'm not qualified because I'm not, I'm, I don't like to be in front of people or I can't sing good. But you don't know. There's so many things that bring God's house together that accomplish the mission by recognize everybody's unique vision. God made a vision for you. That's why you don't have to compete. You don't have to compete with your neighbor because your blueprint is for you. That's why we say discover God's perfect plan made just for you. Yes, insert your name here. I'm talking to you. Look at the camera and say, is he talking to me? Yes, he is. Pastor Jeff is talking to you. See, there's something in you right now that's laying dormant that God wants to pull out. And if everybody pulls out what God gave them, this church going to blow the roof off the place. Let me just tell you. And so we're slowly, that fire is trickling through people and they're recognizing the gifts that God put in them. And as we pull it out together, we start accomplishing the mission as the body. So that's the vision statement, is discover God's perfect plan made just for you, and that's how we accomplish the mission. <clears throat> we have a thing called core values, excuse me. <coughs> I should drink some water this morning. The core values are what make our culture. You who've been to our church, what makes it feel like it does when you're there? What determines the direction of how we approach applying the vision to our mission? It's our core values. It's what creates culture. So I want to go over these, and I promise to keep it interesting and not make it school-like because I always put my head down at my desk. I remember one time in 10th grade English, it was like 8 a.m., it was the first hour, and I remember the teacher would, would I would, like, it was, it was crazy. I would put my head down right in front of the teacher and not even, not even care. And so, so, the, so the head would be down, and she'd be waving her hands, and one time she'd, like, catch my hair with her hand. That's how close she was being, and I thought, she almost hit me in the head. And then later in life, I thought, you know what? I bet she was doing that on purpose because I was being so disrespectful sleeping in her class. So I don't want to put you to sleep, but I want to give you the core values because it matters. Someone asked a few months back, what is our vision? What are our values? And it's been on the website. And I said, I need to teach that because you need to know because when you know, it's going to light you up. You know the mission now. You know the vision is how we get to the mission. And our core values is what creates the culture you're experiencing right now and will continue to create the culture that we're pursuing through God's promise on this church. The first is Jesus at the center. Jesus has to be at the center of everything we do in and outside church walls. Jesus has to be number one. I preach it all the time. It's because it's true. And if you forget to make Jesus number one, we're considered idol worshipers at that point. And I know it's not cool to say that in a PC world, but biblically, if Jesus is not one, God says, I am a jealous God, and there is no one beside me, and I am first. So God wants you to put him number one. In order to be successful at anything, Jesus has to be the center of your life, and he wants you to be honest with it and really say, I want this to be the center. I don't want it to be secondary no more, and I'm preaching to myself. The second value is the word. The Bible says Jesus was the word made flesh. He dwelt among us. We knew him not. We beheld his glory and we crucified him on a cross because we didn't believe he was the lion that was promised by the Old Testament. We thought he was just a lamb, but he was a lion in the lamb. And in order to conquer death as the ferocious lion, he had to come 
as a sacrificial lamb. And so we hung him on a tree and we did not know him. And that is the word manifesting into time and space, the plan of redemption. And I don't want to get all theological on y'all, but when you talk about the word, you're talking about the seed. You're talking about Jesus. When you read the word, you are reading God. You are, you are, you are bonding with God. God's word is alive. It doesn't, it's not a textbook. It's the word. It brings life. And when you read the word and make it part of your life, it breeds life. It's life bearing. Our relationship with God is based on his word. When you take the word of God, the Bible, out of your life, you're going to have a rice cake healthy diet. Not healthy. You're going to be malnutrition. You need the word. That's what feeds you. If I try to preach without the word, guess what? It's hard. I don't like it. It's because I'm trying to pull of myself and I have to be driven by the spirit of the Lord and I get fed by his word so I can give it out. And if I take away the meat, I'm going to starve because we're all human. You need the word. Jesus at the center. The word is my foundation in everything I do. What does the word say? What does the word say in this situation? WWJD. Give God our best. That's number three. This is a big one. This is a big one. And some people don't like me because I'm kind of over the top sometimes because I really believe to give it my best. I don't like average because if it was average, Everybody would do it, and there'd be nothing unique about it. But when you do something for God by giving it your best, you achieve excellence, not average. And people are starving to see something different from the sheep pack, something different from the herd. They want to see something excellent because when they see what God can do through you that is excellent, God is going to do something magnificent in their life. Give God our best. When we, when we do setup, when we do production, when we do worship, when we do preaching, when we do anything in the name of the Lord, we give it our best. And our best obviously is within our capacity, but you'd be surprised how much more you can do than you think sometimes. You think, I, I, I don't know, I think this is my peak. No, God said that's just where you're comfortable. Your peak is really way up here. I don't know if you've ever been like on a treadmill and you think you're about to die and there's like another quarter of a lap left on a mile run or something and you think you're going to die and you think, I can't do it. And God says, you got it. Just calm down and breathe. Just breathe. This. All of a sudden, you just ran a mile. You did more than you think. And that's how it is in God's kingdom. You can achieve more for God's kingdom than you could ever imagine because God is supplying your need. He's supplying your provision. He's going to multiply your intention with results because he's blessing what you're doing because it's unconditional. So God wants you to bring him your best. And as a culture, you'll see our O groups, excuse me, our O teams, that's our volunteer culture at 1C Church. We mean business and we have fun, but we get her done because we want to bring God our best because it's going to show a uniqueness to, to being genuine to God's word that people maybe aren't used to seeing. We want to bring him our best. That's how we find excellence instead of average. Number four is value for one another. This is a big one. This is something I didn't necessarily always experience in church growing up. And now as a man, I look back on the Bible and I said, I think this is maybe how God would want to do it, that we actually value each other the way God values 
us instead of judging our brother. We let the word be the judge and we're not gonna run from scripture. We're gonna give you the Bible. If you ask me a question that may not be what you wanna hear about, but you ask me, I'm gonna give you the Bible and say, this is, this is what I live my life by. And I'll let, I'll let God work with you and you can deal with God. But the Bible is the word. <clears throat> And to love you means to give you the same word that's been put in us, just like Jesus prayed. And that's showing value for you. If I didn't really care, I'd just talk about you when church was over and move on and go play on some social media or do something different. But if I value you, I'm going to invest in you. And that includes telling people what they need to hear, being transparent. We value each other as God values you because we are a family. We are a family. And families go through good times and bad times. They go through challenges together. That's what creates the bond. The, the Bible says, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is he whom the father does not chasten? See, chastening means it's not always fun, but God's making you better because sometimes we need that correction. We need that correction. And, and the Bible also says that, that when you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. And God says, when you treat them like dirt, you're treating me like dirt. When you treat them with the love I gave you and put in you to give away, you're treating me the same. And so if you want to treat me good, you treat them good. You love them good, you're loving me good. Some of y'all didn't know that. That's the Bible. The king says, when you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. So we value one another. We deliver God's love gracefully to one another. We are, we are sensitive to people's hearts. We are sensitive to different stages in their walk. We don't come at them with a Bible and thump them in the head. We come, come at them with love, open up their hearts, and let God give the increase. It's so easy that way, and it takes the pressure off. And we are family, and we do it because we love each other as God's family and a spiritual family. Number five, this is a big one. All you team leads are probably shaking your head right now. Efficiency. <laughs> Our time, this is a good one. This is a big one to me. It's just a habit from my background. Our time on earth is limited, and we can do more by doing less really well. Well, we should just do this and do this and do this. You see, you can't, you can't operate at the same capacity as a church with 5,000 people at our level. So what we strive to do is, where are our strong points? Let's make them the best they can be, and let's keep adding layers to what we can do. But if we give too much, it's like Amazon, late 90s, almost went bankrupt, wrote my graduation paper on it. They offered so many things that, that they were saturated with too much overflow, so their value went down because they weren't doing one thing really well. We want to do the best we can with what we have, and then as we grow, well, our offerings will grow. And some people say, well, why don't you guys do this? And why don't you guys do this? And why don't you guys do this? Is it because we're a small church and we don't have people to do it? But we're going to. We're going to. So what we'd rather do is let them go somewhere else for that right now, and what we have to offer, we're going to give them the best of that, the best of it. We're going to preach it the hardest. We're going to worship the hardest. We're going to draw the spirit the most because that's what we got to work with, and the rest will be added unto you as God gives increase. So that's how you create efficiency in your culture. You, don't, you, you create efficiency by doing things organized. I got, another, I got another sermon coming about details because the details are the difference between success and failure. The vague 80% of the principle is easy to apply. It's the last 20% that gets it right. It's the last 20% that makes you jump out from the crowd. The details matter, and efficiency is what gets you there. So we want to be efficient with our time and do the best we can with what we've been given here on earth because our time is short. 
Number six says, never settling. Oh boy, I got some more team leads turning their heads saying he just got something new every week. We're never settling if there's another way to do it better. We're not changing one problem for another. We're trying to increase value. So as we learn, we've gone through so many iterations of live streaming since 2018. Some of y'all don't even know, but we have learned so much and we keep learning more and stepping up our equipment and stepping up our game. We're learning. We're never settling for average. We're shooting for excellence and we're always improving, taking action to grow in our walk with God. That's how God wants you to pursue him and your relationship with him, not to settle and say, I'll see you on Sunday, God. He wants you to say, I want everything you have for me. I want, I want the most you have for me, God. I want to discover your purpose for me. I want to be, I want my mind blown with revelation, God. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. He is the rewarder of those who diligently, diligently, diligently underline it, write it down, circle it, seek him. Not who wait and wait and wait. Never settle because God might have something more he wants to use you for to bless them. And that's our motto as a church. Number seven, this is, we do a thing called unify with our O teams in the morning before church where we unify together. We become one, one mind, one accord, the Bible says. We unify to remember the mission, we do it together. Synergy, the output of the group together is greater than the individual parts separately. Means means 10 people could do 10 things really well, and if they're doing them independ independently of each other, the output is not as good as when they do it together. So synergy promotes growth. Synergy promotes growth. And I want to tell you, church, the church was meant to move. The church was meant to grow. We want to have church for ourselves, but we also want to reach people. Remember, we're extending the love and teachings. We're extending out. We're reaching out to people. We're Go and teach, the Bible says in Matthew. We are reaching people. So that doesn't mean staying the same. It's about growth. And so we are growing to reach more people because as long as there's people lost on this earth, it's our job to give them the gospel. And synergy promotes growth. The unified together, we will continue to grow as a church and reach the world. What started as one seed, I always say, will turn into millions, just like Jacob became Israel, became 12 sons, became 12 tribes, became millions of people. That's what synergy does when we do it together. I promise y'all, God will multiply it. It's going to be good. You just wait. Number eight. Oh, snap. This is a big one. This is kind of like being nice to people. This is like that one, number four, showing value. Number eight says a servant attitude. Staying teachable. You were meant to be clay. And even Jesus was a servant to the apostles and to the disciples. And in order to be a leader, you have to be willing to get in the mud with everybody and start on the bottom of the barrel and stay teachable. This is, this is something I see all, this is gonna get me preaching for just a minute. This is something I see all the time is people are so full of Bible and so full of knowledge, just like the Pharisees were, that they're no longer teachable. And so they miss it. The wool is over their eyes. I see it all the time. I'm teachable. The worship team's teachable. You're teachable. God desires that you be teachable because we're supposed to be like clay. And if we want God to mold us and show us, we have to have our eyes open that we want to see more. And when we become 
non-teachable because we've got it all figured out because we've read the Bible three times in three different languages and all this stuff and blah, 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 blah. And I don't like what they're doing on social media and I don't like this and I criticize, criticize, criticize and I tell everybody what I think. You're shutting the door more than you realize and probably don't realize on God actually trying to give you revelation. Break the tradition. Bring revelation. Break the tradition. Bring revelation. Break the cultural traditions. God, bring me back your word the way you left it for us. In Jesus' name. A servant attitude. Stay teachable. Stay soft clay. You don't want to harden. When you become hard, you become hard to deal with. And when you're hard to deal with, it hurts relationships and you start missing out on blessings because you become distant. Staying teachable is how we maintain an unconditional outlook. When you're serving, it's unconditional. There's no agenda. That's why people who have a servant's heart, they'll do whatever you need. We got people I could call them out right now. Vincent, y'all know who you are. They'll do whatever the church needs. Is it always fun? No, but it's a mission. How many missions do you know are at the beach? The mission is in the jungle going after the target. And our target is to deliver the gospel. So we'll do what it takes to get to where we're going, knowing that God will put us where we want to be when we make the most of the season we're actually in right now. That's how it works. That's how promotion in God's system works. And that's staying clay, staying teachable, and having an unconditional outlook on your brothers and sisters and your mission for God's house. Number nine. This is about leaving our mark. Now, before you judge that statement, let me finish. Well, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. Yes, I know. I'm getting there. See, we're building up his name. We talked about legacy recently. The legacy we want to leave, the mark we want to leave as 1C Church is that we stamped Jesus on people's hearts, that they're going to remember Jesus was given. That's the mark we want to leave. And by building up his name, it's all about his name. Everything is in his name. We baptize in his name because that is the seal of approval and authority behind what we're doing. And building up his name is what we do to promote what we do in a uniquely identifiable way. We try to do things a little different to get your attention. We don't want to just look like the crowd. So we'll do things like preaching no shoes. We'll preach in socks to just not look like the crowd. You know, we'll, we'll play some music sometimes that shakes people up because it makes them think for a minute. It breaks traditions. It breaks stronghold traditions. And we want to leave our mark and separate ourselves to distinguish ourselves in a uniquely identifiable way. That's one seed church. I've been there. That's one seed church. They, they preach like that. That's one seed church. They share the gospel. That's one seed church. They love me in a way I've never felt before. That's one seed church. They go all in for Jesus. It's weird, man. They like really believe what they're saying. They like really think it's going to multiply. Yes, we do or we wouldn't be here. We believe because if God's touched it, there's no failure. If God's touched it and he's touched your church, we're leaving our mark for Jesus. We're leaving our mark. And my last point of our core values today, numero 10. I don't know Spanish. You like how I did that? Numero Spanish, English 10. That's really ignorant of me. That's the best I know. You're lucky I get it right in English. Gratefulness. This is huge. Breeds thankfulness. Gratefulness is everything. When you're grateful, it will change your outlook 
on life. And when you're self-consumed, it's a, it's, I hate to say it, but it's not grateful. I'm not saying we don't have problems to deal with, but when you want to fix a problem, just be grateful and go help somebody and just kind of stretch your hand forth and watch God heal your wounds. And gratefulness will breed a thankfulness that will bring you to tears, that will bring you to your knees, that will have you praying in a way you've never prayed before, that will have you seeking God in a way you've never seeked before, because you know that God did something that you did not deserve. God did something that you could not earn, and it breeds thankfulness. In remembering his sacrifice, we keep our minds focused on the purpose he has set before us. When we become ungrateful and self-centered about all our problems, we forget really what we're doing. It no longer becomes a missional church. It becomes a self-serving culture. And that's why we never want to forget the mission. That's why we want to talk about this on a regular basis. We want to remember to be grateful and remember his sacrifice and that even till death do us part, no matter what happens to this flesh, I am going to be grateful and remember the mission and remember his sacrifice. So I stay focused because it's a distracting world. We talked about it last week. It's a distracting world, and I've got to stay focused on what matters most and first, and that's Jesus at the core. Jesus, I will be grateful. If y'all could stand with me online, we're reverent to God's word. We think it matters. We want you to stand and embrace this moment, and you know what? I've never, I've never, I've never done this online, but I ask you to Raise your hands right now and close your eyes. And no one's looking at you, so you can raise both hands and just turn your heads to the heavens and close your eyes and take a step right now that's, that's uniquely different because the situation has weight to it. And I was feeling it last night, and I had to remember, that's what he wants. That's what the devil wants. He wants to weigh you down. I said, no, devil, get beneath my feet. I know this is a test. And I believe, according to his righteousness and his promise, that we will endure through this. I know the truth, and I have nothing to worry about it. But when I get distracted or I get tired, and when you get distracted and you get tired, you're going to start shaking a bit and remembering the fears. And that's when God says, no, I'm at the center. Remain grateful no matter what. Remain grateful no matter how bad it hurts. Remain grateful even when they curse you. Bless them when they hate you. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Give to those who need it. Give all your heart and I will touch you and I will multiply your house and bring you to a place you've never been or ever thought you could be. God, we come right now. We're thankful that we get this opportunity to worship freely in your house, online, over technology. We pray these values root in people's hearts that we become more unified than we already are to remember you are the glue that keeps us bonded. You are the glue that keeps us from straying apart from each other. And you are the glue that's going to make us tighter in in unit more than ever, God. Because now is a time when people are recognizing the value of your word in their lives. Because when you strip something away from their life, the value increases because the demand goes up and the supply is down. And God, we believe in these biblical economics, God. We we believe now and we see something different now. I need a praise right now. I got to do something different because I'm so tired of being in my house right now, God. I'm tired of it, and I'm going to give it my best till the day I die. It doesn't matter, like Toby Mac says, till the day I die, I'm going to keep on doing this for God. And if the house of God can say right now, in Jesus' name, amen.